I sign. All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is August 5th, a Saturday at Freiburg New Church Assembly. I am Reverend Hugh Odner, and the subject is from Ur to Haran. So I'll start out by reading the text. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. That's Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. I first need to talk about levels of meaning in the word. The first thing we have is the literal sense. That was the sense that I was just reading. We can also call it the natural or historical sense. Pretty much it's what you read. The next is what I call the internal or spiritual senses. And in your reading of Swedenborg, you notice he frequently uses the term the spiritual sense or he talks about the internal sense. But I use the term plural senses because the internal or spiritual sense has different levels. The first of all is what uh, one is what is called the internal historical sense. It's the spiritual history. It is the rise and fall of churches. So that if you're familiar with the most ancient church, followed by the ancient church, followed by the Israelitish church, followed by the Jewish church, followed by the Christian church, followed by the new church. That is actually a spiritual history of churches. Um, but within that is another spiritual sense. And I call this the spiritual sense in the term that spiritual relates to truth. Um, the clearest place to see this difference is in true Christian religion where it talks about the Ten Commandments and it will say the natural sense is this, the spiritual sense is this, then it goes to a higher level. The celestial sense is this. The celestial sense has relation to good or love and frequently to the Lord. So I want to uh, talk about that because it leads into something else. In the historical sense, which is what I was reading, we have representatives and significatives, which are complicated words. Um, but what it means is, what is said that you're reading means something else. But a representative is a bit different from a significative. So I'm going to read from the Arcana concerning this. It's referring back to what I just read, and it says, These things and the things which follow occurred historically as they are written, but the historicals are representatives and the words are significative. It means that the history represents something, but the 
individual words signify something. And I'll read a little bit more here. With representatives, the character of the person is not considered at all, but the thing which they represent. Hence, all the historicals of the word, the histories, are representative, and all the words are significative. That is, they have a different signification in the internal sense from that which they bear in the sense of the letter. So when you get to the, an individual like Abram, his representation internally is quite different than just the man Abram. Uh, this is especially true when you get into the kings of Israel, some of whom were bad. If, if, when you read the book of Kings, you know, and so-and-so, Ahaz, did evil in the sight of the Lord. He didn't take away the high places and so forth. But Ahaz, Ahab, Ahab, they represented the Lord because of their royalty, apart from their character. The good kings, the bad kings, all represented the Lord because it was apart from the person. I'll go further. We read, in the, this is from the Arcana Celestia, 1401. It's right at the beginning of the 12th chapter in Genesis as treated in the Arcana. True historical things begin here in the 12th chapter of Genesis, all of which are representative and each word significative. The things related in this chapter concerning Abram represent the Lord's state from earliest childhood up to youth. As the Lord was born in the same way as other men, he also advanced from an obscure state into one more lucid. In other words, the Lord had to grow up just like we do. And he came into more and more knowledge as he did so. Then it mentions um, Harn is the first state which was obscure, Shechem is the second, Oak Grove Mora is the third, and so on. Uh, and this is referring to Abram's journey. Now, in this passage, the historical actions and persons are representative of things spiritual. The names of places signify spiritual states. So Abram represents the Lord. The names of the places where Abram stopped on his journey or came to signify certain spiritual states that the Lord passed through. But notice and I'll get into this when I get over to the map. Notice also that the direction of Abram's travels or journeys represents the context in which each of the words or names takes their specific meaning. The direction of travel of Abram's journey was from the land of his birth in Ur, down here, of the Chaldeans, to Haran, and from there into the land of Canaan, down here. It is that journey and the direction of that journey that represents the Lord's advancement from an obscure state to one that was more clear. And each stop along that journey represented a certain spiritual state of the Lord 
in the context of his overall spiritual direction. And more than that, it represents parallel states in our own regeneration or spiritual growth. So now, let me get over to this map. This is not drawn to scale, but mainly so I can... Abram's journey started here in Ur of the Chaldeans. And this, by the way, is the Tigris and Euphrates River. Uh, this would be now modern-day Iraq. And you may, from what I read, it was Terah who took his family and said, let's go to the land of Canaan. So they started off in Ur, and they traveled upward to Haram. Now, just to be clear, this is north, this is south, um, east, and west. In the word, directions mean things. So when you're reading the word, one of the easiest things to get a handle on is know something about what the direction means. East is always where the Lord is and is always referring to a state of love, higher love. If you're traveling toward the east, you're moving toward greater love. But if you're traveling toward the west, you're traveling to a state of lesser love. This direction here is love, but it's higher and lower. North to south, as you can now imagine, is truth. South is greater truth. North is less truth. As you go further north, it tends to get colder. So Terah took his family and traveled to Harm. So he was moving in a direction that was northwest. He was traveling away from good or charity and also away from truth, moving more and more into a state of what you might say spiritual obscurity. And Terah died here. That was the end of that. I'll get into some of what this means. At, at Haran, though, it was at this point, because when Terah decided to move his family, it doesn't say at that point that the Lord told him to move and go to Canaan. It's here in Haran that the Lord spoke to Abram and said, get out of your land, out of the land of your nativity, which actually was down here, and go into the land of Canaan. So. Abram starts journeying over this way. He's still going toward the west. State of obscurity. Um, but he's traveling toward, or, or, excuse me, a state of lesser love, but toward more truth. When he gets into the land of Canaan, he makes various stops here. He goes to Bethel and he goes to some other places down here, Shechem so forth, and so he's starting to move almost directly south into greater truth. 
and he finally ends up down here in Egypt, which does represent a state of truth. And in, in the Lord's life, it was a state of truth that the Lord needed to learn. And um, as you may remember, um, when the Lord was born, uh, his parents took him and fled into Egypt because Haran sought the young child to kill him. That journey that um, Mary and Joseph took with the Lord was representative of this same journey that Abram took at this time. Um, so let me go back from Ur of the Chaldeans, because that's where we start, Ur of the Chaldeans. That by Ur of the Chaldeans is signified external worship in which there are falsities. This, by the way, is at the end of one state of the ancient church. And it says, is evident from the signification in the word of Chaldeans. By Chaldea, Chaldea, worship in which there is inwardly nothing of truth, worship in which there is inwardly nothing good and true, is a worship in which there is entirely what is profane and idolatrous. So one of the things that happened over a period of time is first the church departed from good. So they were traveling into this plain in the land of Shinar, Sumeria. And they were departing from good or charity. Then they departed from truth. There's a general lesson here for us. If we don't remain or have charity, we cannot have truth. We may know a whole lot, we could, may be able to quote the Bible frontwards and backwards, but if we don't practice it and have charity, it's not really living within us. It's just like um, a recording, like a recording device, like a piece of software in a computer. We can call it up instantly, but it's not in us. So, Terah took Abram his son Lot, and they went forth from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. They came into Haran and stayed there. Now, this is from the Arcana 1373. These words signify that those who had been in idolatrous worship, and those who had been in idolatrous worship were Terah and all of his family. It is said in other places, Abram at this point was actually an idolater. Um, and you can see it later on in some of Genesis where um, Rachel, when she um, left her father Laban, took the family gods with her. See, because they were idolaters. And even Rachel regarded those family gods as being important to them. But it says, these words signifies that those who had been in idolatrous worship were instructed in celestial and spiritual things of faith in order that a representative church might come forth from that source. So they came up to this state in Haran, which seems to be less charity, less truth, 
And here they were instructed. In that state. Uh, and the purpose was so that a new church could come about. Because what happened in Harm? Terra died. Terra represents the end of one church, actually the second ancient church. By this time, the church had become idolatrous, totally idolatrous, and Terra's death was the end of that state of the church. What came about was what we would call the third ancient church, which was the Hebrew or Israelitish church. It was called a representative church because it was solely in representatives. So, um, but what does this mean in relation to the Lord? Because remember, Abram takes on the meaning of representing the Lord. So I read from um, Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And he said to them, him, that is the Lord, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Abram is now down in here with necessary. But now the Lord is saying, I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. But in earlier it said, Terah took his family. What you can say is that the Lord is working, works, works in secret and mysterious ways. Now, they came to Har and they stayed there. It signifies that those who had been in idolatrous worship were instructed, notice this, in the celestial and spiritual things of faith in order that a representative church might come forth from that source. It doesn't tell us what those celestial and spiritual things, what we do know is that they learned something of good and truth. Terra died, a new church started. Now, his death, as I said, signified the end of the second ancient church, which had become idolatrous, the beginning of a new representative church through Abram. So Haran represented a time in the Lord's life when there is an ending of one state of the church within him and the beginning of another. This beginning was enabled by means of instruction. Now, the same process occurs with us. Sometimes in our lives, we come to a place and we can't seem to go any further. In other words, it's, it's, we've been living quite well with a certain set of beliefs. They've served us well. And now they're not doing the same good anymore. It's the end of one state of the church with us or one state of life with us, and it's time for us to move on. But usually, we're kind of stuck. We're learning something here, but we're kind of stuck, stuck and have, um, um, many of us know that sometimes we come to a state of life, we're not really happy there, we know things aren't working, but it sure is comfortable staying there. <laughs> we're used to it. We're miserable, but it's comfortable. You could think of the Lord's state or Abram's state as being representing that state in our life. 
where we've arrived at a place, it seems like we're not happy, we're not going any further, but we need to move on, but we need something to prod us. But something is taking place. Remember, this is a state of instruction. The Lord was instructed in this state before he could move on. The same thing happens with us. We're in a certain state and we start learning. Sometimes we're not even really conscious about it, thinking about it until we start reflecting on it. But eventually we come to a state and it's kind of like the Lord saying to Abram, get out of your father's house, get out of your country and go to a land that I will show you. That's what Abram needed to get moving again. Because it says when they moved on, they took a lot of stuff with them that they had acquired up there. Um, and we, we have the same sort of thing. Sometimes the Lord tells us, it's time for you to move on. And we want to take an awful lot of stuff with us. Moving sometimes means getting rid of stuff. Boy, I hate it when I have to do that. As Denise knows. Well, so they start moving. And they are moving now toward the south, more instruction. As Abram is moving, he is getting more and more instruction. The same thing happens in our life. We get out of this place where we're miserable but comfortable and start moving on and we start move, learning things again. And, th and, and we get a, a certain freshness of life and the Lord actually is enriching us. And the, Abram kept moving on in our lives. We come into more and more instruction. Um, but later on in the story, you remember there was a little thing about Abram passing off his wife as his sister and Pharaoh taking her? Don't do that. <laughs> um, but that's, that was the motivation to get him out of Egypt. <laughs> Pharaoh said, take your stuff and leave. Um, Abram actually came out of Egypt richer than he went in. <laughs> he was a lucky guy. But he turns around and starts moving this direction. And he's moving now back to the east. And he's doing it with more knowledge than he had before. This is what happens in our life. Whatever you read in the arcana or about the Lord, it has parallels in our spiritual life. This whole journey is a place where we start from. We move up to here. We get some instruction. Quite often, we're not quite aware of it, but we get comfortable there, but we know we're unhappy. And something moves us. Sometimes it might be the Lord telling us, time for you to move, a little silent inner voice. Sometimes it might be another person saying, it's time for you to move on. Sometimes it might be the parent saying, it's time for you to move and be on your own. All sorts of things getting us moving in this. So, 
I have this conclusion here. I'm not going to go over time. If we consider the place where we are now dwelling spiritually, perhaps having traveled both away from the east or good in a northerly direction, that is away from truth, we might conclude that spiritually it is all over with us. You know, because we look at these past states and I said, I was so innocent then, and I seem to have been more intelligent. You know that the sureness of some of our youths where we were sure we knew better? And we come to this place and it seems like we're not in that same innocence, we're not in the same good, charity, or truth. We're, you know, and, and we come to this and we're stuck and we think, I'm going to die here, just like Tara did. And yet, what died was one state of the church or of life in order that another state of church or life as here represented by Abram, could journey onward. In other words, that old part of us needs to be left behind, but a new part of us is moving on. It was in this precise place or state that the Lord was when he was called to leave that land in his father's house and go into the land of Canaan. This calling into a land that I will show you was a calling into a new state of life and a new state of the church. It is in this very state or place, here represented by harm, that we are also called into a new, new state of life by the Lord. Thank you. Now we have time, um, I am told that about 15 minutes, because at 10 of, we have to exit this room, go into a new state of life, to get the photo out there. <laughs> any comments, questions? Yes? Do you have anything to, um, to bring the new church into this? What has to die within the new church? Boy, that's a loaded question. A whole lot of things. Um, in the new church, um, one of the things, um, I'll, I'll, I'll cheat a little bit. I'm going to refer to George Dahl. Um, he is saying that the, if you look into the what Swedenborg wrote, he never called for the formation of a new denomination. But he did see the new church spreading, not just among the Christians, but also among the Gentiles. And he even says it will spread faster among, a new church spreads faster among Gentiles than among us old Christians. Uh, so what has to change is our old way of thinking. Sort of like we're being instructed here, right where we are, right here in Freiburg. But at some point, we have to get out of the comfort, and we have to move on. In one sense, it means we have to go home again. But spiritually, it means to move into a new state of life. 
Um, so it is, it is useful but not always healthy to envision the church as being always like it is now, which is how we get comfortable with it. And, and, and for some of us, we get fossilized in it. Um, so that we say, uh, and I've heard this, you know, this is my church, by which they mean that structure is the way they want. Uh, we have to be open to the inflowing of the Lord into our lives and seeing the church as the Lord wants us to be. So thinking about when the Lord calls us and says, get out of your comfortable state of life, get out of your pew, get out of your, uh, uh, and get out and do travel to a new state. Now the interesting thing is that doesn't always mean we have to travel to a new church, but it means that we have to think about church differently trying to match up with the best we can of what the Lord is trying to teach us. And that's the other thing. It'll be different with each one of us. Because the Lord speaks all of us. You know, my, my standard joke on this is the Lord loves variety. If he didn't, he'd make you all just like me. And it's a good thing that we're all different because we can complement each other. The, um, there's that song and also the uh, um, uh, teaching that the Lord regards the variety, especially the variety in heaven, but the variety in churches as like parts of jewels in a king's crown. He's the king. Each of our churches is like a jewel in that. And here's the thing, each of us is a church individually, so each of us is a little tiny jewel too. I probably went further with that question. <laughs> Any more, anything more, yes? Well, I just wanted to say I appreciate uh, you brought up about the direction. Because I think that it's significant for us to remember it's not just good and lesser good, but it's also the wisdom and the higher and lower wisdom mm -hmm. that we're, we're three-dimensional. We're, we're mm -hmm. living in a three-dimensional world, and, and these are aspects that I think we're, we're so clear on pointing to something and saying, well, that's less good, but you know, where does it fall in the wisdom scale? Mm -hmm. we, you know, maybe there's something that we can learn, and as you're saying about the teaching that happens in these places, that you know, when I when I think something's not good, what does it say about me? What's going on in me that makes mm -hmm. me not think that is good or wise? You know, what's going on in me? It's it's helping us take those external directions and, and point them inside to do a little self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, by the way, directions. Yes, they're they're not simply on a single plane. Mm -hmm. They move different directions. So you're moving on one place on the truth scale and another place on the good scale and um, it's hard to remain moving any direction and not have some change take place within us. Uh, the other is in, um, I mentioned when you're reading the word and I, by this I also mean if you're reading the works of Swedenborg, watch the directions 
when he is talking about spirits, sometimes they're in certain directions, it represents something of their spiritual state. If they're to the north, they're less wise. You'll see this um, in certain uh, stories it, uh, in which the angels are called together into these schools of wisdom. And then the east, the ones from the east are on one side and the west are on another. And you'll notice that they talk and about what they think on a certain subject with various degrees of insight and wisdom. Usually in those schools, after, at the end, they kind of all defer to those on the east uh, who are in the greatest love or good or charity. And along with being in good or charity comes true because you can't have one without the other. So the, the angels have that too. But sometimes, uh, in other places, they're asked to take their conclusions all together and write it down on a piece of paper. What happens then? They're all sharing their views, like we can do in the church, and then they're working together to form a conclusion. And that conclusion is actually then drawn upward toward the Lord. Any other comments, questions? I know I've covered this 100% perfectly. <laughs> um, and um, one of the things is I love maps. So, and then when you see the directions of travel and know something about the directions, you can see a pattern developing. And the pattern taking place in the Lord's life um, I've talked with a couple people here that it would seem that the Lord called Abram here but actually he was calling back here and he was calling people before that the whole journey even though um, it looks like churches are in, in decline they're always moving in a certain direction, and the Lord's providence is always guiding that direction. So, um, the, uh, uh, I look at the, the, the um, long-term history of the church and of the new church with uh, confidence, because we can look around and say, oh man, our congregations, uh, they're declining, all the young people are fleeing, what are we going to do? And a couple things, one, the Lord is still in charge, we just don't perceive how he's in charge. And the other thing is it's just like here, time to try think of something new. So if the old isn't working and it hasn't been working for a while, Maybe it's time to change. That, by the way, is also what's useful about the different branches of the church getting together and sharing ideas. And this was among the works of charity with the ancient church. That they, their favorite phrase is they, um, it was among the works of charity to share their views with each other, nor were they indignant if one did not accede to the opinion of another. 
sometimes how hard that is to do. Okay, I think we're done. We have five minutes left if you need it. I know. And it's okay to be open. But it's okay to be early. Denise. I'm trying to articulate something that might not come out very articulate. I was jumping off on what Jane said, which was jumping off on what you presented. Um, we each are individually called from wherever we start to wherever we're going. Mm -hmm. And um, as much as we can, if we care to, we pay attention. And even if we don't care to, I think we are led, uh, care to be, we are, we're led. Uh, churches are groups of like-minded people who mm -hmm. spiritually who travel together so you know you can see the family of Abram and his family um, they're led together so uh, you know in the question about direction in the new church and um, what we know about the new church is it will be new it is new um, so you might say a brand new thing or a new way of being a church is developing, I believe is developing or will develop out of the what appears to be going into decline mm -hmm. in, in this era. And so what might that look like uh, where those of us who are called on this journey together um, we're called individually, but end up together, and that's a church, right? Um, in a, in a sense, uh, uh, a, a church, if I could say, is individually with each of us. The state is always changing, but we tend to band together or bond together due to certain similarities in love primarily love and also in truth. The same thing exists in heaven. Heaven is, consists of innumerable spiritual communities or societies. What unites them and draws them together is their love. That's the primary thing. And then there's variations of truth. So it, it talks about in heaven and hell that there's these different societies they have variations in government, they have variations in doctrine. Sounds like here. But the one thing they have is they all look to the Lord and they all have charity toward one another. Um, the idea I have is that they're all like parts of the body working harmoniously together. You know, the liver says, I'll do my job. Heart, you keep doing your job because I sure need you. <laughs> and that's, that's how the, I think the churches can work together harmoniously according to their love and the, their interest or truth. Each one doing the best they can and sharing it with all the others. And with charity. With charity. Yeah, and going down into taking the, the knowledges from other traditions and other mm -hmm. ways without maybe adopting their their god you know different gods yeah. we we know that there is one god and we want to 
be true and in relationship to that one God. Yet there are many traditions that may, may honor other apparent mm -hmm. gods or goddesses that have wonderful traditions, but not that we want to mm -hmm. turn from our God, but we can include others' ways. And, and, and we can learn from what's going on in others. Yeah, going down um, deep. With, with, uh, it's always hard to avoid imitating them. And many of the, these big church leaders, they will describe their methods, but the wiser ones say, don't try and imitate us. Do what works in your place, in your area. And, and that's what's really hard, because we tend to think and want to think in numbers, and it's not numbers. But numbers are essential. That's it. <laughs> you can't have quality without numbers of people. <laughs> Okay, it is time to disperse. I, I think we're being called out to the porch, is that right? Or is it out back? Trevor, do you know Where's where the picture John? is? Is that right? Uh, Trevor, where are we, where are we meeting? On the porch. On the porch. On the porch. the recording device. And then take them out of my pocket.